And welcome back inside the home office and welcome to this week's edition of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run. I'm Craig D'Amico. We're coming off a holiday weekend of action and going right into a short week of games that are coming up this week on Friday and Sunday. Coming up on today's show, we'll chat with the hottest shooter in the NEC right now. We'll reveal our top three stars of the week. We'll look ahead to a busy weekend, including a big TV game coming up on Friday night and much, much more. But first, let's get you caught up to speed on this week's top headlines. First, with our three-point shot. And headline, headline number one, we're going to start talking about the LeMoyne Dolphins. So... You know, Lemoyne, they're they're new to the league, right? Well, you know, they're at least new to the NEC. They're making their transition from D2, where they were a 21 team, 21 win team last year, by the way, making the NCAA tournament. They returned 95% of the offense from that 21 win team that made the NCAA tournament. Plus, they're adding in some key pieces such as Brianna Williams, who transferred in, Liam Middleton, a freshman. Both have been key contributors right from the jump. So, you know, they're new. They're they're just transitioning in. Oh, by the way, plus the league scheduled them to play two-time reigning regular season champ FDU, last year's semifinalist, and this year's preseason number two Merrimack, and the reigning tournament champion Sacred Heart in their first three games. Kind of a welcome to D1 gift, their first three games on their schedule. Uh, so, you know, with, with, with being new to the league and, you know, making the jump from, you know, Division Two and, you know, the, the tough schedule and uh, not much was thought of the Finns uh, early on, to be quite honest with you. Uh, they were picked eighth in the preseason poll, uh, a lot stacked against them. But when you take a closer look, especially at the history of, of teams making the jump to join the Northeast Conference, uh, there's quite a different story. Uh, Merrimack, they came in just a couple of years ago from the same league that LeMoyne's coming in from, uh, and they won 20 games their first year in the NEC. And in conference play, they would have been a three seed if the current rules were in play that would have allowed them to participate in the 2020 NEC tournament. So uh, not a bad first year. Bryant, they came in 10 years earlier, 2010. They won 10 games in conference play their first season. Uh, going back a generation ago, Sacred Heart in 2000, they came to the Northeast Conference. They won 11 games their first season. Quinnipiac, the year before, 1999, they were a top six team. Even Stonehill last year, they won three of their final five games to finish the season with some, some momentum going into the offseason. So maybe in the future, if any new teams come in to the NEC, especially coming in from Division Two where people might think of that as quote unquote, the lesser division, quote unquote, you can't see my air quotes, but I'm doing it. Maybe we should realize that, you know, these teams, they, they might be new to the league. They're not new to basketball. Uh, and in the case of Lemoyne, They've played the game before. They have a pretty solid nucleus that stuck around, as we mentioned. They had a lot of success last year. They know how to win. They have veteran players that came back for this purpose to make an immediate impact, prove themselves at the Division I level. And LeMoyne, they had a non-conference schedule that was really strong and helped prepare them to, you know, hit the ground running once conference play started. They're getting better each day. There's a different team now than in the summer or even in November. Latoya Baker told us that during our chat last week. Um, so again, in the future, maybe file this away that uh, it's not going to be a surprise. We shouldn't pick these teams to be so low because history shows the opposite. They come into the NEC and they make an immediate impact. So with all that being said, let's continue to talk about Lemoyne. We already know they have a home conference win under their belt from last week in their opener 
against FDU, and they were on the road this past Saturday at Merrimack, and they got off to a fast start. A 15-4 run in the first six minutes. Sydney Lusher hit a pair of threes in that opening run. She was a perfect five for five from downtown in the first half. The Dolphins shot over 50% on the afternoon, leading to a 74-59 win. Then on Monday, at Sacred Heart, the reigning champion, the 2-0 Dolphins got off to a 16-4 to run in the first 8 minutes, 30 seconds. Again, getting off to a great start back-to-back games. Now, it would end up tight in the fourth quarter. LeMoyne was only up to 56-54 with 11 seconds left. Nysera Pryor missed a shot in the paint that would have tied things up for the Pioneers. LeMoyne then made their free throws on the other end, and they hold on to win. Beating the reigning champions, 60-56, to Starting the season a perfect 3-0 in conference play. LeMoyne, the first NEC school to enter the league since the inaugural NEC tournament back in the 1987 season. To start conference play at 3-0. In, in the history of the NEC tournament era, nobody has come into the league first year, started off 3-0. LeMoyne is the first. And here's how they've done it. Their experience is is shining through. It showed big time in the Sacred Heart game being able to finish down the stretch in a very tight game. LeMoyne is a team from what I've seen so far in just a limited sample. They're balanced. They could score inside. They could score outside. And there's not just one go-to player. It's really a team effort. This past weekend, what impressed me, they showed they can run. They Their transition game against Merrimack in particular. Their passing has been exceptional. They're making the extra pass, getting good looks both in the paint and then kicking it back out to the perimeter for open looks from behind the arc. And the defense is forcing turnovers, and then they're capitalizing and scoring off those turnovers. 18 turnovers led to 17 points off turnovers, a big difference in the Sacred Heart game. Kaya Good, Sierra Lennon, Sydney Lusher, in addition to Latoya Baker, uh, Williams, um, Brianna Williams, Liam Middleton, all these contributors have really done well as a team, as a unit. Everyone has contributed to lead to the success that they're having right now. This is a team that's doing all the little things, and it's led to an historic start for a new program in the NEC. On to headline number two, and we want to talk about the Stonehill Skyhawks. They entered the weekend 0-15 on the season and 0-2 in conference play after the opening weekend, but they managed to pick up a big weekend sweep, taking a pair of games from Fairleigh Dickinson and Wagner at home while making some history in the process. First on Saturday, they outlasted the Knights 60-56, to coming back from down 11 points with 8.41 to play in the fourth quarter. With two minutes left, down three, Lauren Sampson hit a big three ball to knot it all up at 54, and then after FDU missed a three on their end, Brooke Paquette made the go-ahead bucket. Overall, Stonehill outscored FDU 22-9 in the fourth quarter to break their winless drought. And then on Monday against Wagner, junior guard Sharn Hayward drained a league-record-tying 11 threes in a 67-44 victory over the Seahawks. The threes were dropping like snowflakes through the Northeast this past weekend. 17 overall for the team, but it was Hayward's 11 to go with a career-high 
33 total points that tied her with Jess Kovach from the 2018 NEC tournament quarterfinals against FDU for the single game NEC record. It also matches the single game high mark in all of NCAA women's basketball this year by Tess Myers of Duquesne back in December. The Penguin Tasmanian native who has scored the second most threes in the league this year will be our guest coming up in just a few moments here on NEC Women's Basketball on the Run to discuss her record-breaking night. And finally, our final headline, let's check out where they stand through two weekends in the NEC standings. LeMoyne in their inaugural NEC campaign, the lone remaining unbeaten, 3-0 atop the standings, just like we all predicted. That's followed by Sacred Heart at 3-1. Remember, LeMoyne is eligible to participate in the NEC tournament this year. They could even win the regular season title if they win out, but they just can't participate in the NCAA tournament as the league's representative if we get to that point. Now, Central Connecticut started the year 2-0 before falling to Merrimack 71-53 on Monday. That was the Warriors' first conference win, dropping the Blue Devils to 2-1, but still Central's best start to conference play in seven years. And we'll see them against LeMoyne, the unbeaten Dolphins, on Friday on ESPN+. Plus. Our next TV game will preview that coming up later in the show. FDU and Stonehill, both 2-2. Two and two. They play head-to-head again for the second time in about a week coming up this weekend. Stonehill just defeated FDU. It'll be a quick turnaround. They'll get to play in New Jersey. Wagner and LIU, they're both 1-2. and two, And Merrimack and St. Francis, both 1-3. and three. By the way, I do want to mention... LIU defeated future NEC member Chicago State 66-58 in non-conference play back on Monday. This was that dress rehearsal that we talked about last week. You know, practice the plane ride, practice the good hotel, find a good path to get to the, the gym, you know, check out the locker, you know, get ready for next year. Ashley Austin had 21 points in that game. Amanda uh, Amaya O'Brien had 14. And Cougars sophomore center Josie Hill uh, she looks like she could be a future problem in this league for many people. She recorded her sixth double-double of the season against the Sharks with 20 points and 17 rebounds. Time now for the three stars from week two of NEC action, starting with number three. It's Ashley Austin from the LIU Sharks. The senior guard led LIU at 17 points against Sacred Heart. And then the 21 that we just mentioned against Chicago State. It was her fourth 20-point game of the season. She currently ranks third in the NEC, averaging 15 points per game. Our second starts actually a tie. We're going with both LaToya Baker and Brianna Williams, both from the LeMoyne Dolphins. You know, last week, LaToya Baker kind of warned us about the confidence that she had in LeMoyne's top five during our interview. She mentioned that they're so balanced, so many weapons, and it turns out that's kind of true. You can't just pin their success on one person. You can't just pin their successful weekend on one person. So we're going with both. LaToya, she was out there driving to the basket, making the extra passes, leading the way as the upperclassman. Williams, she was controlling the paint. She was on the boards. She even stepped back and stretched out the defense, showing off her range from the perimeter. Baker averaging 14.5 points, 6 rebounds, 3.5 assists, and 2 steals in the two games last week. Williams, she had a pair of 12-point games, and she recorded her first double-double by adding in 10 rebounds to go with the 12 points in the victory over Sacred Heart. And our number one star of the week, it's Sharn Hayward from Stonehill. Hayward averaged 24.5 points against Wagner and FDU to lead Stonehill to their first two victories 
of the season. She saw, she shot six for eight from the floor and four for six from behind the arc with 16 points against the Knights. And then that proved to be the appetizer for her record-breaking afternoon on Monday. She went 11 for 15 from behind the arc. 33 points, the second highest individual scoring game in the league this year. So if you're doing the math in the two games last weekend, the junior point guard combined to shoot 74% from the field, 17 for 20, 17 of 23 and a sizzling 71%, 15 of 21 from three point land. Sharon Hayward, our top star for week two and our special guest coming up right now in this week's NEC open mic. Joining us now here on NEC Women's Basketball on the run, fresh off hitting a league record tying 11 threes on Monday afternoon from the Stonehill Skyhawks, it's Sharn Hayward. Sharn, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Now, uh, 11 threes on Monday against Wagner. Um, so I guess we'll start with like, what did you eat for breakfast? What was the secret to getting the fuel to have a game like that? Just the usual pregame meal that we have. So I just had omelet and toast, the usual for home games. So yeah, that was what I had. I'm sure there's a lot of players right now jotting down notes for omelet <laughs> and toast. Um, so leading up to that game, you know, waking up, the breakfast, the shoot around, the pregame, did any part of you feel any different than any normal game? No, not too different. Just had the usual shoot around. I thought my shot felt good within me at shoot around. Um, I had a bit of confidence from the last game. I hit four threes in that game too. So I think building that confidence, I was excited to get out on the court. But yeah, no different feeling, just the usual. So, you know, it's been a few days now to kind of sink in and I'm sure everybody's been throwing, you know, records and sports center and, and, and all this at you. So have you kind of been able to think about it and wrap your head as, as to what you accomplished on, on Monday? Yeah, it's been a huge couple of days. I've had a lot of people reach out and a lot of support from the college and the community, which has been amazing. And I feel very honored to have so much support from here. But yeah, it's been a crazy couple of days. And yeah, I just really owed it to my teammates. I think they were getting me open and it's as much as a success for me as it is for them and our coaches. I think they got me open. I was able to knock down the shots from them. So I'm very lucky. And let's talk about the team for a second, because it was a big weekend for you. But in turn, it was a big weekend for the team after a rough start, getting back to back wins. Uh, so so how was it that the team was able to kind of stay positive and still fighting that, hey, these results, we're going to get the results sooner or later. How, how did the team kind of navigate through non-conference uh, into 2024? Yeah, I think we definitely had a tough non-conference schedule this year, but I think we got in the gym every day. We kept working hard. Our leaders of the group kept the young ones, the new ones motivated to try and stick on the path, tough it out. We measured it not so much on wins and losses, but the process of each game. What are we getting better at and set us up for our conference play, which I think we did. Obviously, we started with a couple of losses, but I think that only fueled us to keep working hard in the gym. And that led to our two wins this weekend, which is huge. And hopefully we can build on that. But I just think our ability to get in the gym, put the work in, push each other every day has set us up. And now we're seeing the success that we've earned. Absolutely. Big back-to-back -back wins this past weekend. Stone will be looking to keep it going this weekend. We'll talk about the, those games in a minute. But but back to you, you know, for you this year, it's kind of a different role. You're in the starting lineup, uh, a lot of different teammates now this year on this team. So um, what's been the biggest difference from last year to this year? And what are some of the things that you worked on over the summer to get ready for this season? 
I think definitely this year I've taken on a leadership role as a captain alongside Cam Ward. And I think as a point guard and a captain out there, I need to have a lot more control of the game, the pace of the game. I'm more of a voice out there on the court for the younger kids. And I just think being able to get in there, work hard for them and lead by example for them has been a huge part of my role. And then just taking a step back as the point guard, like being able to get other people open. And I'm lucky enough that my teammates do the same and get me open. But I just think this year, taking on that role, playing more minutes, I've had to really step up my game and improve all around, especially on the defensive end as well. But yeah, overall, just trying to get better every day for my teammates and to pull them along with me. And now going way back to the beginning, how was it, when was it that you kind of fell in love with the game of basketball as a youngster? And, and you know, how had the story come about of you uh, playing basketball? Yeah, um, pretty much as soon as I could walk or talk or anything, I, we had a basketball in our hands, me and my sister. My dad played, so we were in the gym a lot, just like always as kids playing basketball. Um, so from a pretty young age, basketball was the sport I played and the only sport I played for a while. Okay. Um, so yeah, put a lot of work in when I was younger and yeah, it was one of my dreams to come over here and play college basketball. So to be able to do it with the team that I've played with in the past and the team this year, I just feel so grateful for this opportunity and to be at this school. Let's talk about that dream for a second. So how did your journey lead you to, you know, play basketball as a youngster with your sister and dad uh, in, in Penguin, Tasmania, uh, to end up in Easton, Massachusetts? Uh, how, how did that journey uh, make its way out to the U.S.? Yeah, it was an interesting journey because I got recruited through COVID, which is another difficult time. But yeah, just sending my film out, the coaches at Stonehill reached out along with a few other colleges. And I really built that relationship with the coaches at Stonehill and with the current team. I had a lot of conversations over Zoom with them and just built that relationship. And it felt like a very family and community based program, which coming so far away, I felt was something that I really needed. So, yeah, I took the leap and came over here and do not regret my decision at all. I love the school, love the people around. And yeah, it's been great. Awesome. Now, this coming up this weekend, two more games, a rematch with FD. You just saw them, and now you see them again, and then Merrimack uh, as well. So what are, what are some keys to another successful uh, weekend building off of what you did last week? I think we just need to continue to take steps forward. I think even though we did get two wins, there's so much more within the game that we can work on and the little things that we, again, tried to sharpen up at practices today and like coming up to the FDU game. I think overall, just keeping our energy up, keeping our confidence up. I think we're playing with a different confidence now. The ball's moving. We're really connected as a team out there. So just building on that, moving the ball and yeah, hopefully get another few wins. Oh, that, that's great. Now we're, we're going to go to the final five questions. These are quick hitters. So you give us the first thing that comes to your mind. All right. Okay. All right. Favorite color. Blue. Okay. Not purple. No blue. Okay. All right. <laughs> favorites, favorite snack or junk food. Oh, nerd gummy clusters. Oh, okay. Love it. Um, now where you're from, the seasons are reversed. So December, January, summer or December, January, winter. What do you prefer? I do prefer the summer, but I'm living in all-round winter at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> Fresh on your mind. Yeah. Um, if we took a survey of your teammates, what is the trait or the adjective that you think they would use to describe you? Oh, probably loud. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, communication on the court as yeah. a point guard, that's important. Uh, and, and what is the key for Stonehill, for the team, for continued improvement to end up in a position where maybe they could contend for a championship by the end of the year? 
I think keep working hard, putting in the work every day, individually and as a team. Sharn, thanks so much for stopping by. We wish you and the team best of luck the rest of the way. Thank you so much. Catch Sharn and the Skyhawks in the Garden State for a rematch with FDU Friday, 7 p.m. on NEC Front Row. And check out the full episode of NEC Women's Basketball on the Run, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Time now for Stat Chat and lots of interesting numbers flying around the league this week uh, to chat about, starting with Sharn Hayward's 11 threes and all the records she set that we talked about in her interview. Uh, how about Amaya Dowdy uh, having a block party for LIU against Sacred Heart on Saturday? She had five blocks in the first quarter. At one point, we got the stat sheet after the first quarter. Thought it was like a typo. There was a problem with the computer. No, five blocks in the first quarter. She finished the day with nine for the entire game. But want to come back to Nysera Pryor. We, we've talked a lot about her the last couple of years here in Stat Chat. Last year, we know she led the league in scoring, led the nation in steals. And this year, she's leading the NEC in scoring once again, closing in on her 1,000th career point as a sophomore. One of the things she's aiming to do this year, she's aiming to be the seventh different player to lead the league in scoring back-to-back -back years. Check this out. The six other players who've led the NEC in scoring in consecutive campaigns, you have Jess Noble in 99-2000. Hall of Famer, Beth Swink, 2004-2005, Hall of Famer, Shadi Logan from Robert Morris, 08-09, Jasmine Nawaje, 2015-2016, and Jess Kovach, who's the only player to lead the league in scoring three straight years, 2017, 18, and 19, soon-to-be Hall of Famer, who I'm sure in the next couple of years. Uh, so th that's it. That's the list. So Nysera Pryor can certainly join that elite group. She's currently averaging 17.2 points, 17.2 points. She's getting a lot of it from the free throw line this year, a head and shoulders above the rest in getting to the free throw line, making free throws. And she's more than one point clear on her average of the player who's number two in scoring. And that's the Moore Watson of Central Connecticut State. So Nysera Pryor, we know her stats are amazing. That's another stat to keep in the back of your mind as she progresses through the rest of this season. Nysera Pryor, the subject of this week's stat chat. Right now, let's take a look and take a look at what's coming up on tap. We mentioned it. It's a short week. Teams just played on Monday afternoon in the Martin Luther King Junior Day matinees. Well, they're right back at it a couple days later. Friday, Sunday is our league schedule this week. Four games on Friday, four on Sunday. So it's a very quick turnaround. First on Friday, we have St. Francis visiting Brooklyn to take on the LIU Sharks. Merrimack will be in Staten Island to take on the Wagner Seahawks. But how about Stonehill and FDU? This is a rematch from a four-point Stonehill win that we just saw a couple days ago. FDU, if we go back even further, they won by just two points in last year's season finale. So the last two times these teams have tangled, they played in tight games. How about this? This game also features the top two three-point shooters in the entire league. We talked with Sharon Hayward earlier on for Stone. I guess she's going to try to hit 12 threes maybe this time. But Abby Conklin as well, the league leader in three-point field goals made this year. Also, in contrast, these are two of the top three 
three-point field goal percentage defenses in the league this year. So the top two three-point shooters and two of the top three three-point defenses. So it'll be interesting to see the chess match, which defense can stop the other team's top three-point shooter. That could uh, determine who ends up winning this rematch again from just one week ago. And then, of course, Friday night, 7 p.m., ESPN Plus and the Yes Network, Central Connecticut State taking on LeMoyne, our NEC TV game. We talked about the high-scoring Central Connecticut State backcourt of Bell Lamford, Samora Watson last week, and then they went a combined 6-for-27 against Merrimack on Monday, combined for 14 points. So an off night against the Warriors. They look to get back on track this week, taking on the NEC's last remaining unbeaten. LeMoyne, we talked about them earlier in our first headline. Balanced team. They force turnovers. They score off turnovers. Matchup to watch in the paint. Williams, Baker attacking the basket versus Megan Kenevick of Central Connecticut State. Can the Dolphins go to 4-0 on Friday, or will the Blue Devils take down the NEC's last remaining unbeaten team? So the 2013 Quinnipiac Bobcats, the last team to have a perfect NEC season, could do their annual toast when the last remaining unbeaten goes down. We will find out in Syracuse, in Western New York, coming up on Friday night. Again, ESPN Plus and the Yes Network. Then on Sunday, Central Connecticut, after that battle against the Dolphins on Friday, they'll return home to host another creature from the sea, the LIU Sharks. Merrimack taking on Stonehill. That is the Bay State battle between the two Massachusetts schools. LeMoyne will be at St. Francis. It'll be the NEC's newest team versus the most accomplished, the 12-time NEC champions, possibly LeMoyne going for 5-0 and in that game. And then you have Sacred Heart and Wagner rounding out the Sunday slate. The Pios, they're off on Friday. So Sunday in Staten Island will be our first chance to see how Sacred Heart responds and how they rebound coming off their first NEC loss of the season. So Sacred Heart, Wagner, Sacred Heart's first game since the loss to the Dolphins coming up on Sunday. That'll just about do it for this week's show. Enjoy the games, everybody. I'm Craig D'Amico, and we will see you right back here next week on NEC Women's Basketball on the Run.